All right, everybody, welcome back to the Long Lens Podcast. I am in Dallas now, and since I still don't have an office, my wife and I can't move into our apartment until the 15th, and it's only the 8th, so another week out. Yeah, I'm back in my van here in Plano, Texas right now. I'm right outside of a skate park. Since my van is really the only sacred place that I have to myself to film or record anything, this is just going to have to do. So, so I'm going to start off with addressing one thing from Patreon. So Tony Sellium was asking where last month's podcast was, and it's up, but I just, I deleted it once, then I re-uploaded it, because since I recorded it on my little Comica Boom XD Pros, there was some weird thing that was happening with, like, the compression or something like that, and it all got normalized to, like, a really weird level, and sometimes it was super quiet, and sometimes it was super loud, so I tried to fix it, and I re-uploaded it, and that might be why he didn't see it because Tony was wondering where the March episode was. It's up there. I just deleted it and then re-uploaded it again. Didn't seem to fix every problem, but it sounds a little bit better. And then the only other question that we have from Patreon is from Joel Kimball, and he is a new Patreon. So Joel asks, since your podcast is called Long Lens, I was wondering what you thought of the recent long lens trend in skateboarding. Less fisheye slash follow filming and more stationary zoomed in shots on faces or shoes. Personally, I miss the good old days of 4x3 when a clip wouldn't be considered a make if the skater's head was out of frame. Yeah, I definitely know what he's talking about, and I think there definitely has been an influx of long lens filming in skateboarding, and I think that there is a lot of things that kind of contribute to why that is. Uh, The first is Instagram and the fact that your phones can, you know, make pretty good videos, and so... Everybody has a phone on them these days, basically, so anyone can be a skate filmer. Not that everyone's a good skate filmer. I see a lot of really, really bad skate filming out there still, but I think that's one of the reasons is that, you know, the iPhone is just kind of everybody's skate filming camera right now, and unless you have, like, one of the newer iPhones, it's typically going to be at, like, that 23, 28 millimeter field of view, so that's seen a lot in skateboarding nowadays. And another reason I think is the people that film with like the HPX or the HVX cameras, which those are the Panasonic cameras, the fisheye for those cameras is really, really expensive. And I, I'm almost positive it's not being produced anymore. The Century Optics like death lens that, you know, you need like those 15 millimeter rods just to attach. Uh, not only is it very hard to find, but those are insanely expensive when you do find them. So you could spend about $1,000 on a used HPX or HVX these days, but I've still seen those Century Optics fisheyes go for like upwards of three to $5,000, which is just insane. So for most like new skate filmers who are just getting into it that just doesn't really make sense and you know there are some skaters that still use the vx and that's almost kind of like its own thing uh but even the 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 mark one fisheye for the vx 1000 like that's still really hard to find these days and the people who do have it are probably realizing that it's hard to find so they can charge a premium and for you know the 17 18 year old kids who just bought their vx 1000 for you know 300 bucks spending you know five times that amount on fisheye just doesn't really seem worth it to most people so i think that's one of the reasons why you know camcorder skate filmers aren't using fisheyes as much and when it comes to like dslr mirrorless camera fisheyes those can be really expensive too but a lot of them just aren't wide enough the 7.5 millimeter fisheyes for like micro four thirds and aps-c 
aren't super wide and you do still get a lot of cut off heads and that's one of the biggest things what joel was talking about is in skate filming you don't want to cut off the film or the skater's head you want their entire body to be in the shot for the majority of shots that you're doing especially in fisheye shots i think like i personally think it's okay if a skater lands if his head is out of frame i don't mind that at all because you're seeing his feet you know that his feet like were like landed when i was a skate filmer um i still considered like the skaters that i filmed at least they considered a make a make if it was long lens even if you couldn't see their face because you know i would focus more on their feet when they're going to land if i was going to cut off their head so yeah i don't think that like keeping the entire skater's body in frame 100 percent of the time is necessarily the rule of thumb but it definitely is in fisheye filming you want to you know keep their entire body in frame as much as you can so those are the reasons why there are obviously fisheyes formulas cameras that are wide enough a lot of the the newer skate videos are being filmed on like fx6s and stuff like that and you can find you know pretty wide fisheyes for their you know those full frame sony and canon cameras but for the majority of like the people who are filming with you know the gh5 or you know an a6600 or something like that fisheyes just typically aren't wide enough when you're fi like when you're filming 16 by 9 so i think that's one of the reasons as well so those are all all of the questions from patreon didn't get a bunch of questions in on patreon this month but that's chill i'm actually going to go to instagram which i asked just kind of at the last minute to see if anyone had any questions on instagram so if you did ask me something on instagram uh later than when i'm actually recording this sorry i'm not getting to your question but i'm going to answer a couple of these and one is where do i sell my used gear well i would typically recommend ebay because ebay has like the largest audience of people and it's international if you want to do international shipping so there's just a lot more eyes that are on ebay and you're far more likely to sell it quickly on ebay but one of the things on you know when you're an ebay seller is that you really need to have a good reputation and that's something that i've kind of built up over the past decade i think i have i don't know upwards of like 400 you know positive reviews with 100 percent positive feedback so that's one thing that like when people buy from me they feel pretty confident that i'm going to actually you know not try to scam them uh, which obviously i never do but yeah ebay would be the first place that i would say but there's also a, another website called gear focus which you can you know create an account and sell stuff on gear focus too i'm not sponsored by them or anything like that but i've heard that they are a pretty good service i just feel like there's less people using that and so it might take a while for you to sell your gear there uh, you could also look into keh or mpb and see if they will buy some of your used gear it might not be for the price that you want but if you just need something to sell quickly they can give you a quote and you can sell it through those websites and then you know facebook marketplace could work too i've bought from there and you know typically as long as it doesn't seem like a sketchy deal it probably won't be but i know people who have been scammed on facebook marketplace so you might have to be wary with that but um those are all the suggestions that i can really come up with it's too late to start youtube now or not and is montage content good or not good to get views um I don't think it's too late to start YouTube. I think that the best time to start anything is yesterday. That's a quote that, you know, I've heard before is like, if you keep putting off starting something, it's 
not ever going to happen. So the best time to start would have been yesterday, but the second best time to start is today. So if you want to start a YouTube channel, start it right now. And what I would suggest if you're going to start a YouTube channel is try to not fall into the trap that so many creators do where they try to just mimic other YouTube channels. I've fallen into that trap as well, where you just, you see someone that you really like. And so you imitate their style, you imitate the way they talk, you imitate like the content that they make. And that's never going to really get you anywhere. You kind of have to think outside the box. And so what I would almost say it like, say you wanted to start a filmmaking channel, instead of watching or imitating other filmmaking channels, try imitating channels that have nothing to do with filmmaking, like popular channels. Try to do something like what those popular channels are doing that don't have to do with filmmaking, whatever it may be. Maybe it's a cooking show that you really like to watch. Try imitating aspects of what they do with their channel and try to bring it in to the stuff that you're doing on your channel because that can be a you know a pretty quick and easy way to like figure out how they structure their content and how they create hooks and keep people engaged which is the biggest thing on youtube right now is just keeping people engaged um, my views have dropped really low and i'm pretty sure i know why because i just haven't been keeping people engaged long enough um, even if my content is good there has to be that aspect of like what comes next you know what i mean so that's the thing that i would suggest with youtube is just don't imitate the people that you're trying to be imitate and take things from other people that might work in whatever niche you're trying to be in but just copying someone from the, sh the same niche that you're trying to get into doesn't really work very well so now let's get into the YouTube community page. Should I invest in a new camera or a better lens to bring up the quality of my videos? I shoot on the EOS M. Yeah, I would definitely say invest in better lenses. That's gonna make even your EOS M footage look so much better. And honestly, like I was looking at some of my old EOS M footage and sure it's like not super sharp and it's a little low res, but there is something pretty, I mean, I've said this before in one of my other videos, but pretty nostalgic about that old Canon footage. And I bet you if you got like a Sigma 18 to 35 and then the EF to EFM adapter, put that on your EOS M, even if you didn't shoot raw, which you can on that camera, even if you just shot like, you know, MP4s or whatever, I think that it would still look really, really good. And you would produce content that I think that you'd actually be really stoked on. So yeah, definitely get uh, better lenses because let's say you get the 18 to 55, probably it's gonna be two times the cost of your EOS M or maybe even three times the cost. That 18 to 35 F1.8 by Sigma, that can stay with you for no matter what Canon APS-C camera you have. You could use it on a C100, a C200, um, that's just a great all-around lens and I think it even comes as a kit lens with a lot of red cameras So yeah, I would invest in better lenses and that Sigma 18 to 35 would be my pick What lens would you recommend for? autofocus wide landscaping purposes um, I guess it really depends on what camera I was shooting with if I was shooting with like a micro four-thirds camera And I wanted a nice landscape lens. I would probably pick the Panasonic 14 mil f2.5 That's a really good 28 millimeter focal length or even the 15 millimeter f1.7 I love that lens to death But if you really just wanted a wide angle lens and money was no object, I don't know I'd probably go with like the Leica 8-18 f2.8 but there's also other options with Olympus and the Panasonic 10-25 at 10 millimeters that's a 20 millimeter equivalent that's a perfect landscape focal length but that, that lens is huge and it's expensive so it really depends on what you're shooting with but with a Sony APS-C you know 
I would again go with the new Sigma 18 to 55. That's a great zoom lens and at 18 millimeters, you can do some pretty nice landscape stuff. Are you still using the Olympus? If so, what's your setup like now? Yes, I am still using the Olympus EM1 Mark II. And uh, it's kind of cool because I feel like the Olympus is almost like a an extinct camera now, you know, because they're going by OM now. And so I'm using a camera that like, it's kind of on the way to extinction. Like, like even though the new OM camera still has all the Olympus branding on it, um, I don't think it's gonna stay on there for long with the new cameras that are coming out. But uh, yeah, I still use the EM1 Mark II, still really like it for everything but slow-mo. I wish that it had better slow-mo and that like almost makes me wanna get the new OM1 camera just to have a little better slow-mo in my camera. But yeah, I use that, I still have the half cage on it. I use a couple different top handles and I actually got the Sigma 60 millimeter F1.4 for it recently and I really like that. I just like having a nice super fast lens to do my talking head stuff with. And since I love the 15 millimeter, 16 is just a couple millimeter difference uh, when you take the crop factor into consideration. So I really like that lens and it's working out well for me. And I'll probably keep using the Olympus for the foreseeable future. I just really like that camera. What adventures are you looking forward to in Texas? I'm in Texas now and it's, it's a cool state, but it just doesn't have the same kind of landscape that Oregon has, which I'm pretty used to. And I know that there's a lot of Texans that'll say it was like, oh, well, it does, but it's, you know, in South Texas or West Texas or whatever. And that may be true, but Texas is almost like it's in, like its own country. Like it's the size of a lot of European countries. It's a huge state. So saying that it has landscapes like Oregon doesn't really mean much if I have to drive eight hours to get to them, whereas in Oregon could drive half an hour to get there so not as many like camping adventures am i stoked on but i do want to kind of start like leaning into my skateboard filming roots and start making some cool cinematic skate videos here because there are a lot of really cool skate parks and a lot of really good skateboarders here in dallas so i'm looking forward to that i think the most next question is kind of goes with the other one what camera do you use most these days again i use the olympus e1 mark ii and I use my little DJI Osmo Action as well. I love that little camera. In today's age of always buying the newest gear, how often do you face the challenge of balancing the art and the technical side of filmmaking? Art in terms of story and what you're actually capturing and technical side meaning camera gear, quality, etc. Yeah, I think that it's definitely a hard balance to figure out how to keep that artistic vibe in your videos without constantly focusing on like whether you're exposed properly or what your f-stops at or whatever but I just think that it'll come naturally the more and more you do it so even though I can't really say that all of my stuff is super artistic I kind of know what is going to look good and I know the limitations of my camera in that situation and I think that's what you really want is for both of those disciplines to kind of mesh together really naturally so knowing what's gonna look good to the eye, but also knowing the technical aspect of how to accomplish it. Where did you end up in Texas and why the move? Um, so yeah, I ended up in Dallas. I'm in, I think North Dallas is where I technically am, near like Garland and Rowlett. Um, that's where I am now. And the reason why I'm here is because this is where my wife's family is from. And since we spent the first four years of our marriage in Oregon, where I'm from, we decided to, come and try out Texas and see how we like it here. So we're planning on being here for about a year and then seeing how we like it and maybe we'll stay or maybe we'll move back to Oregon. Who knows? 
any suggestion for Canon Reflex APS-C size sensor users for video? Um, not without more specifics. Uh, I would say get CineStyle or a different flat profile like Vision Color installed on it. Get a good lens like the Sigma 18-35 f1.8. I would say record your audio separately because with those type of DSLR cameras at least, they don't have the greatest uh, preamps in their cameras. Unless you're using like the M50 or something like that. And uh, yeah, I would say purchase some LUTs that'll make that CineStyle or Vision Color stuff look good. I have LUTs on my website that work really well with CineStyle, so you can check those out, and they're pretty inexpensive. They're only like five bucks. How do you get the ideas for your videos? Um, I think I answered this in last month's podcast, but a lot of my ideas just come from either the gear that I am reviewing. So it's pretty easy to create a video if it's kind of surrounding one piece of gear. And another way that I get ideas is just things that I think about that I think need to be told on my channel, especially when it comes to budget filmmaking and focusing on technique more than technology. You always have the best titles and thumbnails. How do you come up with them? (laughs) That's uh, really generous to say that that I always have the best titles and thumbnails. I definitely don't think that I do, but I always try to ride the line of clickbait and reality. So I don't want something too clickbaity, but I also don't want something that's too boring and exactly what the video is so if i was making a video about like a new road microphone i wouldn't say road video micro review that isn't going to get any views and it's not very enticing but if i did something else like best inexpensive mic for adventure filmmakers or vloggers that title is a bit more enticing and it might make you want to click on it more especially if i had a really nice looking thumbnail i'm kind of experimenting with my thumbnails you know part of me wants to like do the whole outlining everything and putting text in there and whatnot but the other part of me just likes how clean everything can look if you just don't put any text or any crazy graphics in your thumbnails someone whose thumbnails i really like is samuel elkins and all of his thumbnails just kind of look like his instagram feed just like super clean and beautiful images because he's a photographer but Yeah, that's just kind of how I think of my thumbnails right now is just trying to make them clean, but also enticing. All right. And the last question is, what was it like for you to figure out the business end of filmmaking? Did it come easy to you or was it a challenge to shift gears? Honestly, I'm still figuring out the business end of filmmaking since I'm technically a full-time YouTuber right now. Like that's kind of been really difficult to try to like navigate how I actually am going to bring in enough money to live every single month, you know, through sponsorships or doing affiliate marketing or ad revenue or affiliate sales. Like all that stuff is like kind of hard to figure out because it's not consistent and I think that's the biggest thing for me is like even when I was doing freelance stuff the entire time that I freelanced I had a part-time job just because I liked the consistency of like okay I know that I'm going to get x amount every single month even if I don't book any clients and that was something that was kind of like a safety net for me and I tried for like a year to just quit the part-time job that I had and just go straight freelance and I just was not prepared enough for that and it was a really hard year I struggled a lot and that's why I always want to have some kind of safety net to fall back on the thing that I always think of too is just having a little bit of a nest egg set aside just in case for some reason I like completely start sucking at YouTube like uh October November of last year like I was really bombing my views 
and I just wasn't getting the revenue that I needed in order to, you know, you know, pay all my bills and save. So I really don't want to get back into that level of like not putting enough attention into YouTube. So I, you know, it's always good to have a savings built up. And um, as far as like filmmaking outside of being a YouTuber, honestly, like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I have all the answers of what being a freelance filmmaker looks like, especially now in 2022. You know, when I did it, it was, you know, probably like five or six years ago, and it's changed a lot since then, especially since COVID. So the thing that I would suggest about getting clients, though, is don't post anything on your website or your Instagram that you don't actually want to make. So I had a conversation with someone just a little bit ago on Instagram. It's like, don't if you don't want to do weddings, don't put weddings in your reel. Don't put weddings on your, your website. Don't put weddings on your Instagram. Because if you don't want to do weddings and you have weddings on all of your, your platforms, people are going to inquire about weddings. And if you tell them that you don't want to do it, they're going to be like, okay, well, why did you have it if you aren't doing it anymore? So if you want to be a commercial beverage you know, filmmaker, only post that stuff on your platforms like your website your reel your instagram because then that will attract the 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 type of clients that you want and i think that it's good Uh, luke newman from newman films or savage now he made a good point that like you should just shill that as much as you can like put as many hashtags as you possibly can if you're trying to be a a filmmaker for breweries to make you know ads for breweries or something like that and you want to film beer commercials like make as much spec ads as you possibly can and just shill it out to every brewery every you know beer company or whatever so that they see you and send it in you know cold email as many people as you can because maybe that might not get you an actual client but you don't know who's going to see that spec ad for a beer commercial that you made and there could be a friend of a friend of a friend who sends it to you know someone at an actual brewery and they're like oh we should hire that guy or that girl so yeah that's what i would suggest is start trying to make more of what you're trying to get into and even though it seems super obvious it i think is probably one of the best strategies for doing the work that you actually want to do so yeah, those are all of the questions for April. I know this is a little bit of a shorter episode, but I just kind of wanted to make this Q&A episode because I still really like doing these. And I'm going to hopefully have a guest speaker on uh, for the next episode, which, or I guess a podcast guest. But yeah, that should be pretty fun. So so thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Long Lens Podcast. I think this is episode seven. So we're coming up on 10 episodes, which is pretty sweet. And uh, yeah. If you would like to support this podcast, I'll have a link to my Patreon in the description below. And if you're on Patreon, you can ask questions and I will actually answer them and shout you out on this podcast. So yeah, no pressure, but yeah, that is a way to support this podcast. And you also get a bunch of other cool perks that you can check out. So anyways, thanks so much for listening and I will catch you all next time. Later. Later.